Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Pretty good start for the Patriots uh, in the Cam Newton era, wasn't it, Henry, on Sunday? It was. I'm, I was out here standing for the Miami Dolphins, and of course Bill Belichick comes in and uh, surprises, I would say, surprises uh, people with such a run-oriented offense and such a competent-looking offense uh, in week one, and all of a sudden... You know, the Patriots don't look vulnerable at all, which, again, you should, you, we should probably expect at this point. But, gosh, I, I, I caught myself thinking, you know, Brady Brady is leaving. The Patriots will be in major transition. It's the most important position in the NFL. And the Miami Dolphins looked hot at the end of the last season. And here we are with the, the Patriots looking like probably the best team in the AFC East. Yeah, and I saw a great tweet somewhere where it's like, all right, who let Bill Belichick have Cam Newton? And you gotta feel that, right? Like, I, I don't know. Here, here's my take on the game, real quick. And I'll just, I just want to like throw this at you. I feel like there's one offense in the league that the Patriots defensively have looked suspect against, and that's the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, they've struggled against Baltimore in, in the last couple of years, and now this new Patriots offense is it's it's a lot different than Baltimore's. Obviously, Baltimore's more speed based with Jackson's ridiculous speed. But I think Belichick and Josh McDaniels uh, have been craving this little wrinkle, the element of having added options. Will he run? Will he pass? I don't think, obviously, you wrote about this too. Cam's not going to carry the football 15 times every game. He's not going to last if he does that. But the Patriots are going to be deadly in these third and short, fourth and short situations. We saw Cam doing it continually on Sunday, putting his shoulder down, running over linebackers. I just feel like he adds multiple dimensions to the offense, and I think Belichick is, behind the scenes, absolutely loving it. It's it's interesting that the Patriots have been famous for being ahead of the trends in the NFL for so long. You know, they were the ones that designed the two tight end offense. Their their horizontal passing attack was something that people tried to emulate in sort of Brady's most efficient years. And so the Patriots have always been unique and different. And so it if what you're saying sort of proves true and and they really they stay committed to this zone read option offense it will actually be the patriots following the trend which you know i mean they do to a degree uh in sort of every way but this would probably be like the most monumental designed design of new england sort of copying what other people are doing and so yeah we see lamar jackson have success as a runner we see you know to a lesser degree i'd say maybe Russell Wilson with his improvisation mm-hmm. going even back to like Andrew Luck, a gunslinger who could move well. Um, so we've seen these, these mobile quarterbacks. We've never seen an offense like Lamar Jackson. And now I think the Patriots are probably going to start stealing page playbooks from the Ravens um, in the same way that teams have stolen from the Patriots for so many years. Yeah, I think that's a great take. And I, and I agree with you. But obviously, the Patriots, they have the ability to do something that Baltimore can't. Now, the Patriots can't emulate the speed of Jackson. Nobody can. But I don't think Baltimore can emulate the power running 
that Cam Newton brought to the table on Sunday. And we saw it like third and five, third and six, right? Cam just going into the line, pushing the pile. That was wild to see that he was going to be used like that in the power running game. And you, you have such an advantage where you can just snap the ball to the quarterback and let him run. Obviously, we haven't seen that with the Patriots unless Brady's sneaking it on, you know, third and one or fourth and one. So it, it is so interesting to see the power element of the game. What do you think about that? Newton was by far, in a way, the best runner for New England on Sunday. And sorry to fantasy football owners who like the Patriots running backs. Newton's, Newton's probably going to be the goal line back. I think Sony Michelle and or Damian Harris will probably get some of that work. Like we saw Sony Michelle get a goal line carry, but when it's like a third and five situation, like you're saying, Newton's like the perfect weapon for those situations. It, it, and I, you know, Deshaun Watson, I, I can't believe I didn't think of him earlier. Deshaun yep, yep. Watson is like famous for his like third and five scrambles, right? That's like his MO. No so. doubt. Um, I think Newton is very similarly equipped to convert those with his legs. I think we will see an evolution of the passing game. I think we will see that become a bigger uh, option for New England. But Newton's ability to pick up um, runs in like interior quarterback draws, like designed quarterback runs, was what the Patriots clearly wanted to put on tape to be like, okay, NFL. We're good at this. We're good at running up the middle of the defense with our running backs, with our quarterback, to try and stop us. So I think next week the Seahawks are probably going to try and figure out how to stop that. And I think the Patriots are going to do something a little bit different, whether that's hitting the outside of the field with passes, whether that's getting the running backs out wide, like in the flat, um, and trying to move a little more horizontally to get vertical, if that makes sense, rather than then this sort of like north-south run game in the interior. Now, again, they might just be like, it worked. Let's just keep doing it uh, until someone stops us. And that sort of, that has like a pretty basic Belichick logic, Josh McDaniels logic. They're guys who are like famous for running the same play back-to-back, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So they could run the same game plan back-to-back if they wanted. But I do think Josh McDaniels said, you know, we have this dynamic quarterback who can do a number of different things well. And so much like he hates calling games where, you know, Tom Brady threw the ball 50 times for the sake of Brady's elbow. I think with uh, Newton, they've got to be careful of the opposite, where these 15 carry games become become the routine. They don't want that to happen. So they probably need a little more balance. We'll, we'll see next week whether they start to go that direction toward the passing game. Some of the things Henry just hit on. That's a perfect segue for what I want to get into in our second segment. So we'll take a quick break here. We'll be right back on the Patriots Wire podcast. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about some fantasy football sleepers for Week 2. After a heartbreaking loss last week in which Phillip Rivers cost his team the win, he takes on a Minnesota Vikings defense that was completely destroyed by Aaron Rodgers in Week Number 1. No team gave up more fantasy points to quarterbacks last weekend. Minnesota has an inexperienced group of cornerbacks, and a veteran like Phillip Rivers will find a way to get it done. It may not be completely pretty, but expect close to 300 yards and three touchdowns. Tampa Bay running back Ronald Jones has the best matchup in fantasy football entering Week 2. Carolina was gashed by Josh Jacobs for 
for three touchdowns last week after being the worst fantasy run defense in 2019. Tom Brady needs help and it has to come on the ground. San Francisco signed wide receiver Mohamed Sanu this week, but it's Kendrick Bourne who's the better play at the New York Jets, a defense that gave up the second most catches and third most reception yards to wide receivers last week. Finally, Marquez Valdez-Scantling faces the Detroit Lions. He scored a touchdown last week from Aaron Rodgers and faces a Detroit defense that gave up a game-costing bomb of a touchdown to Anthony Miller late last week. Expect Aaron Rodgers to challenge downfield. For more fantasy news and analysis, check out thehuddle.com. You know, really what it is is it's more of a function of what we feel like is best to do uh, against the specific opponent that we were playing. You know, I know, I know, we did some things that we really haven't done much of. Um, you know, around here for a long time, or maybe ever. Uh, but that is, I think, that's just a function of using the players that you have uh, to the best of your ability against the opponent and the scheme that you're playing. Uh, you know, I, I would say we're we're going to be in the same boat as we always are. You know, which is. We try to, you know, adjust appropriately, um, you know, change from week to week based on what we think gives us the best chance to have success. So, Henry, that's Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator. And and you were just hitting on that before our first break there. You know, McDaniels hinting that the Patriots, uh, you know, could change this thing from week to week. And but are you buying that? Are you buying that we could see Newton throw the ball 30 times and rush it five times against the Seahawks on Sunday? Or, Or do you are you expecting a little bit closer to the line? You know, a little bit closer to in the, you know maybe in the middle. Well, the Seahawks secondary isn't that great. Um, as much as as they have been famous for being good in the past, they have turnover. Sure, and not to cut um, you off, but the Dolphins secondary is awesome. That's probably this, one of the strengths of their team. Yeah, exactly. So I think that can determine, and it always has, how the Patriots devise their game plan. They try and identify opponents' weakness. They start from scratch to a degree. I think more so than most NFL teams on a week-to-week basis. And so they install something new. This one will be probably geared toward exploiting that secondary. The other thing I think is a factor is that Julian Edelman was dealing with a knee injury. Now, he was removed from the injury report on Friday of last week. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens this week. But Edelman ended up with the third most snaps among receivers. That's surprising. I mean, he's the best receiver on the team, so he should have finished at first. Meanwhile, Demir Bird finished at first, and he had zero targets, zero receptions. Yeah, he was a ghost. He was a ghost in this one. Yeah, that's concerning, right? So if they can get him off the field and Edelman on the field, the offense is going to look better. The other thing I I would say is Ryan Izzo, the tight end, was on the field a lot. He's, He's more of a blocking guy. Now, I think he's still got a ways to go as a blocker, um, but, but, and he did run a, a few really nice routes, uh, one of which Patriots fans can check out on Patriots.com, actually, where Belichick breaks down Izzo's connection with Newton. The old Bellistrator? On the Bellistrator, yep. But, but I don't think like that one play is, is really enough from a tight end. And so eventually, Devin Asiasi, the rookie out of UCLA, has got to get work. And I think Dalton Keene, too, he's dealing with a neck injury, so he was inactive last week. But I think he's got to be a factor on the offense. And then finally, Gunnar Olszewski uh, went on IR last week, so he could be eligible to return for week four. So the Patriots are banged up, and they're young in the passing game in particular. Meanwhile, the offensive line is experienced, and the running backs 
are experienced. So they're favoring what they they're favoring that experience, for, at least in week one. Now, and that was because it was convenient, like we just said, against a secondary that was probably going to have the upper hand against sort of an ailing passing game. So it will be interesting if the Patriots are being are kind of BSing us and being like, oh, we could change our offense any week. Right. Um, if they if they actually do this week, then we will see just how full the capabilities are of this offense if Newton does throw 30, 35 times because it's actually kind of vague about who he'll be throwing to. It was it was rough. I mean, they, they didn't complete many passes in that week one game. Like we said, we had, they had their top snap receiver didn't get a single look. So there's reason to look skeptically at that pass-catching depth chart just like we did last year with Tom Brady who never really seemed to get it going. In the past again. For me, it's like I live out here in New Hampshire. My day job, I'm a I'm a sports editor for the Portsmouth Herald newspaper, the community newspaper. I cover a lot of high school football out here. And this is what we see in high school football. Run the ball, control field position, win the time of possession, lean on a good defense, and win the game that way. This is the NFL though. I mean, how many weeks can you really do that? Can you can you really rely on running the ball, relying on your defense and beat a Russell Wilson on the road? You know, that's that's a tough sell. So I think the Patriots almost have to adapt. I don't think they can win it like this every week, just like pounding the football and winning the field position battle. Although the punter is great. I love the punter. You know, they could do some great things in the field position game. But as, as fun as it was to watch Newton run the ball uh, in week one, you know, that could get a little old quick if they're just going to play the, the run game and the defense game all the time. So I almost feel like they're, they're going to be forced to adapt at some point here, maybe this week. I think it's 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 possible, maybe probable. The defense, they're going to rely on the defense in this ball control offense, and eventually the defense will either have a bad game or we'll see sort of the youth up in the front seven uh, becoming a problem. Now, the Patriots, just like they sidestepped their weakness on offense by avoiding the passing game, they actually sidestepped their weakness on defense by putting like 60 defensive backs on the field for the whole game. I got to pull up the um, snap count and I'll do that kind of as we talk. But I think it was like six or seven defensive backs were among the top 10 players in terms of defensive snap count. Let me look real quick so I can get that number. So it goes Devin McCourty one, Stefan Gilmore two, then Juwan Bentley is the first non-defensive back, then Jonathan Jones, Jason McCourty, JC Jackson, Adrian Phillips. So that's seven of the top eight defenders were defensive backs. And all those guys can cover, too. You know, they're all players. Yeah, so that's in snap counts, just so in case I didn't say that already. Yep. So, so basically, the Patriots were like, we're going to take our best players and put them on the field, our most experienced players, put them on the field in an offense that was in an offseason that was shortened. Uh, and we're going to rely on them heavily to get through this first week without any preseason action without any time to really gel as a defense. So we're just going to get the guys who we know can play and put them on the field, even though that means playing Adrian Phillips at linebacker, even though that means playing Jonathan Jones at safety. I think that's probably, those were the biggest adjustments that we saw Um, and not totally surprising, but yeah. So it was a very interesting game plan. And again, you know, one that might have to adapt as younger players, as newer players get more acclimated to the system. And shocker, that game plan fooled Ryan Fitzpatrick on Sunday. (laughs) All right, I want to get Henry's specific thoughts on this really fun Sunday night matchup coming up against the Seattle Seahawks. We'll be right back on the Patriots Wire podcast. (laughs) 
It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by Jeffrey Clark of those same two affiliations. And here's what you need to know about the Week 2 Monday Night Football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Las Vegas Raiders. The Saints are minus 228 Moneyline favorites. The Raiders are plus 190 home dogs. Saints laying minus 5.5 points. Raiders plus 5.5. On the other side, Jeff, how do you feel about Saints-Raiders on Monday Night Football? I love Saints to spoil um, Raiders' Vegas debut and premiere. Um, I'm a little nervous about Michael Thomas being out, of course, but Jeff Jacobs is not going to be able to produce on the ground and get into the end zone, hit pay dirt as much as he was against the weak Carolina Panthers defense. I like the Saints to actually be uh, key to victory due to their defense. Give me the Raiders. Saints without Michael Thomas, that's a big loss. I'll take the Raiders at home, plus five and a half. They'll keep that within a field goal. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet Slippin' Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Henry, on the road, Pats, Seattle. It's going to be fun. Sunday Night Football, they're four-point underdogs. What's your leadoff take on this matchup? Yeah, it, it will be a real litmus test for Cam Newton in New England yeah, because well. I think ultimately like Cam wins – wins week one and and new england is just fawning over him i mean i saw on twitter it was just ridiculous it's a love like, affair right now it's a, it's all it, love in it, new england baby yeah and so you know as much as i thought miami would be a tough test they weren't i'll admit i was wrong um ryan fitzpatrick had a bad game and when he has bad games they were really bad when he has good games they're really good we talked about uh, it he's a wild man you know you never know yeah so he had, he had a bad game and they weren't a real test for the patriots they, they, when it's they just controlled that game so easily like when the when the dolphins started sniffing at the patriots lead and it was like 14 11 patriots leading new england just like turned on the gas and they they charged down the field they scored a third touchdown and the game was basically out of reach jc jackson really sealed it at the end with that interception but essentially we will see a more real test this week on sunday night that's why it's the primetime game Basically, Pete Carroll's Seahawks, Russell Wilson's Seahawks can actually challenge the Patriots. And, you know, there's good reason why they're, they're favored to win. Now, if the Patriots can win this game, then we know that they're back to being one of the best teams in the NFL and not just one of the best teams in the AFC East or the AFC. This Seahawks team is very good. And, like, you can just rely on, I think, the Seahawks to be, like, 8-8 eight and eight or better with, those, with that tandem. Their win over the Falcons last week, I don't know. I'm not a huge Falcons fan. Like, they're always a talented team. They're not a team that's good at winning. Right. Uh, The Patriots are, like, the opposite. Not necessarily the most talented team, but a team that's very good at winning. Yep. I think this will be a good challenge for the Seahawks, too. And I think we're going to see a lot of running the football on both sides of the ball and a lot of offensive action that is built off of that run. So for the Seahawks, it'll be play action. For the Patriots, it'll be, like, zone read, passing. And so we'll see if the Patriots are good enough to throw the ball, win the game throwing the ball a little bit. And I, I think... That would be the probably the best way for them to keep pace against this Seattle offense. Yeah, we saw Cam Newton throw the ball under 20 times in week one. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's, we're going to have to prove that we can throw it a little bit. 
defensively, it's going to be fun to see the Patriots secondary match up with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You know, the Seahawks have a good running game too with Chris Carson. Wilson's a stud. Like this is going to be this is going to be a great matchup. This is going to be really fun. Yeah, and a matchup that is not an actual matchup, but something I think would be interesting for fans to follow and maybe not happily is Nikhil Harry versus DK Metcalf. Yeah. Same draft class, similar stature where DK Metcalf fell all the way to the end of the second round while the Patriots drafted Nikhil Harry in the first. So two really big physically gifted receivers, Metcalf arguably more physically gifted. His, his three cone drill is really what sort of sunk his stock. I'd say in that draft but he proved that it didn't matter. He's a really, really gifted receiver. He had another good week to start off this this second season of his. Four catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Meanwhile, Nikhil Harry, he had what we would probably consider a good week for him. He accounted for five catches, 39 yards, right? But that's like what we consider a good week for Harry because he only had 100 yards last year. So Metcalf worlds ahead of Harry in terms of NFL readiness and in terms of NFL production. So I think already Patriots have, have fans have been wondering what if, you know, what if Metcalf had ended up in New England and Harry had ended up somewhere else. And obviously Harry had that really potentially costly fumble out of the back of the end zone for a um, touchback last week, which had fans even more frustrated. With yeah, him. that was, that was a tough one. Right. So, I don't know. I think I think that's sort of like an underrated storyline that Pats fans will probably want to keep an eye on. We got to hope that DK doesn't rub it in her face on uh, on Sunday night. So we'll see. Henry, have a great week, my man. I'll be looking forward to your coverage on the Patriots Wire. Everyone should be following that. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week. We'll break that one down. Everybody enjoy the game, and we'll be back to talk about it. Thanks for sticking with us on our third episode of the Patriots Wire podcast. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.